0: Welcome to the very first Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe. It's a complete Dogs 247 cast. Got Kip, Kip and Rusty uh, with me here. Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell. Uh, we are the staff at Dogs 247 and, and this is our podcast that we're going to be trying to go with twice a week. More often than not, it will be twice a week, maybe once a week here and there, but uh, this is it. You've been asking for it, folks at the junkyard on Dogs Two Four Seven have been asking for it, and we're giving it, uh, t- giving it to you guys. It's all about Georgia football, all about Georgia recruiting. We'll sprinkle in some other athletic stuff in there, but uh, ultimately, that's what it's going to be about. That's what we're going to do. We're going to cover it all. We're going to give our, you know, unfiltered opinions. We're going to give our analysis. We're going to talk about the games in the fall and and uh, prospects during recruiting season. Uh, and that's going to be our focus, but before we really jump into today's topics and really get going with the show, I want to give you guys a chance to get to know us a little bit and Rusty, I'll throw it to you, man. Uh, just kind of talk to us about your background, wh- wh- where you're from and, and, and what, you know, kind of your experience is in this business.
1: Well, again, Rusty Mansell. and thank you for saying my name correctly and not 'm not Ken to Johnny. Uh, Some people ask me from time to time. Uh, I'm not Rusty football by any means, uh, been in this for 24 seven, basically since the beginning, Shannon Terry, uh, called me up one day and, and, and gave me an opportunity and said what he was going to do and, uh, starting a new company and, and kind of one of those calls. You're like, man, I can't believe that just kind of happened. So he called me a couple of months before the company actually started and, 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 um, man of his word, called me back when they started. So I was able to get in from day one with 24 seven and, uh, was in the corporate world. Uh, working for Pirelli tires had a great job, a great company I worked for, but it always had a niche in to be on this side of it. I'd done some part-time work for a couple of years with scout.com and uh, did some stuff with some Under Armour combines for like two years and kind of got me in on the ground floor. I was just charting forties, you know, not getting paid. I was going to Charlotte. I was going to Auburn. I was going to Columbia, South Carolina, Jacksonville, Florida, anywhere I could do uh, volunteer work to get in this business. I did it for, for a couple of years and, it uh, kind of led me to 24-7, but best decision I ever made. Uh, great company, great site, great staff. I know as you mentioned, you know, you guys have been asking for this, and I can only imagine the the feeling of Amp riding down the road somewhere in Moultrie, Georgia, Listen to this, because he has been on us for years about a podcast. So for all you guys that are asking, we've got one, like Jake said, probably twice a week, sometimes once a week, and uh, we'll bring you the latest up uh, on Dogs two four seven. Glad to be here. Thanks, guys.
2: Rusty, you mentioned, uh, you know, starting off from the ground floor with uh, Shannon Terry. And for those wondering, this is uh, Kip Adams also at Dogs247, as Jake said previously. But, you know, myself, this is uh, just now coming into year 13, I've been doing this. And I put in some time at at Rivals.com, started out in 2006, just to age myself here. I originally responded to a myspace message from uh, a a co-worker that that we all have spent some time with in in the past and chad simmons
1: uh, asking (laughs) MySpace. myspace wow
2: asking for help filming football games back in the days before uh you know before huddle we had to actually film these games ourselves uh with the camcorder and uh spent a lot of time doing that for chad and and really uh one of my favorite memories was going up again to film Bobby Massey, the offensive tackle up in Virginia. Again, before huddle, I I drive up there about 13 hours and get up there, and the coach looks at me and kind of shakes his head, looks at the ground, and says, uh, you know, he pulled his hamstring last night. He's not playing today. Sorry about that. So uh, I basically just uh, turned around, got back in my car, and drove back home, got home just in time to uh, open up my store. I was also... Uh, running a subway restaurant at the time working both jobs and, and you know come to do this full-time you know uh, after a couple of years of, of learning the business and and then spending some time at, uh got the opportunity to work at espN it was an easy decision at the time you, you really don't say no to the four-letter network uh, you know just the the thought of being able to work for them for a while you know put that on your resume was great but I remember getting that call from from Shannon and, and talking to him, and it didn't take but a few minutes to know that 24/7 Sports was was where my future uh, would lie, and I was really excited about having the opportunity to come on board there because his passion for for wanting us to be the best and, and having that support and covering college football and recruiting, uh, you know, I have not heard someone. You know in charge that had his type of vision and and it just his type of passion for doing everything you know the right way and it's 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 really from there it's all downhill i mean it's it's been a great ride here at 24 7 sports and i think we're uh we're just we're just getting better every day enjoyed uh i've been covering basically uga recruiting now like i said for most of the last 13 years i guess uh you know the three of us now we're part of the old guard at this point but uh you know, I, I think it's been a pretty good run, and, and I think we got uh, a lot of fun ahead of us.
0: You know, it's the first time I think I've ever heard both of y'all's stories, you know, kind of in depth, you know, and, and you know, with detail. And, and mine's not all that dissimilar. I I, uh, I was a uh, high school teacher, and I had coached some high school football, and, um, you know, my, my, I think it was my first year, maybe it was my second, but I think it was my first year not coaching um, I had some extra time on my hands. I reached out to Kip and and uh, uh, Roddy Noblesi at the time, who's over at UGA Sports, and uh, you know those guys were were helping run the site there. And and I reached out and I was like, hey, is there any way I can help you guys out? You know, not looking to get paid, just trying to get an idea of the industry. I know a lot of coaches, and um, you know I'll transcribe stuff. I'll uh, I'll I'll work message boards. Uh, you know, I'll do some analysis stuff. And uh, didn't do a whole lot um, because it ended up being, you know, I found out, I guess I got my first crash course and how much work it takes to, to be involved in this business uh, then because uh, I, I really didn't produce very much content at all uh, for those guys. But uh, when, when Kip talks about, you know, going over to ESPN when they did that, um, you know, I kind of, you know, told, you know, Steve Patterson, the guy on the side at the time, I was like, hey, uh, I'm not going to let you tell me no. He brought me on part time for the for the twenty eleven uh, college football season, and and I helped with the team and I helped with uh, recruiting. And then uh, around January that year, um, I came on full time, started doing recruiting, did r- recruiting for a couple years there. Uh, Shannon, uh, basically the same thing you guys had to say. Shannon just kind of he's got a way of kind of letting you know what he wants and and uh, what he has going and and his his thoughts for the future and and he really sold me on that and and the opportunity to work with rusty and kip obviously was was huge for me i had read those guys i'd gotten to know those guys through covering recruiting and and competing against them and and you know to be honest with you got a little tired of having to compete against them um so it was cool to join up on the same team and i guess kip wasn't technically on the dogs 247 team at the time you were kind of doing a little bit more of a national recruiting thing uh with with 247 and some stuff with some with some NFL stuff and. Uh, but but at the time I, I just knew I would be on the same team as those guys, and so I came in and uh, spent my first I think year uh, covering recruiting at two four seven uh, Gentry Estes one of the he you know one of the real old guard he was he was there on the ground floor with Rusty here at uh, Dogs two four seven he left uh, to uh, to to go to the Louisville Courier Journal and uh, they offered me a chance to cover the team and uh, I'm going into my uh, let's see Kirby. Kirby's done this uh, year before, so going into my fifth year covering the team and being on the team beat, and um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, especially you know you know a lot of uh, you know that first fifteen game season was a grind. You know that that August the first until January the 9th without a day off was something else. Uh, but but it's uh, it definitely is a dream job. And I love what I do. Um, And and we're excited about this podcast. I know I am. Um, I love doing podcasts. I've had a couple times, a couple opportunities that have fallen through. Uh, Rusty has a radio show uh, that you do during recruiting season with 680 The Fan. I know, Kip, you had a podcast going. So we've all got experience with this. We've, between the three of us, Uh, we've got over three decades combined experience either covering recruiting or covering UGA the team and uh, you know I I think we've got some unique insight we can bring to everybody and and have a lot of fun with this and uh, you know I I guess man we're just going to jump straight into to some topics that we kind of outlined for the show I mean there's I guess there's no real reason to sit here and talk about ourselves anymore because I don't think people want to hear us talk about that very much they want to hear about uh team and recruiting and and things of that nature and and we're going to start off with recruiting and there was a question on our board earlier this week and that's something i kind of want to emphasize about this show guys you know those who are listening those who are a member of our board if you're not you're missing out because it's it's a lot of great discussion about georgia football daily Uh, but we get a lot of questions on the board and and sometimes we're able to sometimes you just can't type all that out i mean you know you can you just can't exactly express yourself uh in a message board post with an answer or, or even with a story. And, and there's some things that are going to be more conducive to, to talking about. And one of those was, you know, somebody asked earlier, brought up a question earlier this week of, Hey, George has got, what is it? 13 commitments guys. That's right. Yep.
2: 13. Yeah. Th- yeah
0: that's, that's, that's what I was thinking. So 13 commitments, uh, remaining in this class, what are the biggest needs? And and obviously running back is huge, and, and George is in it very much with Kendall Milton, Zach Evans, and those guys. But outside of running back, uh, you know, and, and you know, Kip, I, I'll, I'll throw it to you here, what is George's biggest need remaining in this class? What position do they have to take care of? Not necessarily a specific player, but a, but a position they have to take care of. Well,
2: I don't want to, you know, harp on just positional premium, but just sure sh- sh- simply from a number standpoint, it has to be tied in. I mean, you got Charlie Warner's a the senior they brought in, you know, Eli Wolf, the graduate transfer from, from Tennessee. Those are probably gonna be your first and second guys, you know, on the field at tight end. They're both gonna be gone after this year. There's no experience really at that position. You got John Fitzpatrick, you know, as a sophomore, and, you know, you got Rylan, who's coming off an ACL injury. You're not sure what you're going to get with him. And, and, and Brett, Brett uh, Seether, the guy they added right at the very end of the 2020 or 2019 cycle. You have a lot of uh, unknowns at that position. And it's a position that Georgia features prominently in the offense. I'm going to imagine that, you know, under James Coley, the offensive coordinator, they're going to continue to feature that position prominently and often still have two tight ends on the field at the same time. If you're going to be putting two guys on the field at the same time, you got three guys that you really don't know what you have on the field yet. You know, that position is definitely a premium. I know you mentioned, you know, not really talking about specific guys, but the kind of guys that first-year uh, tight ends coach Todd Harley are after, I mean, these are major recruiting battles. So it kind of puts him under the microscope as a recruiter uh, and really just that position of the mi- uh, microscope because you got arguably the best player, you know in in the state of georgia for this cycle at tight end and, and eric gilbert out of marita high school and then at, you know also you got five star darnell washington in las vegas you got Thea washington who might be the most athletic tight end in the country out of canada and, and a guy that another guy that's just rising up the ranks because he's so athletic and, and jalen congers out of texas very small town he's out of uh, and a guy that now that we're starting to see is really shooting up the board. He's a top 100 guy already. He could end up being, you know, arguably top two, top three tight end of the country as well. So I think it's just a combination of positional need and and just the high profile guys that uh, Hartley is trying to beat out these, you know, other powerhouse programs and get uh, just makes that position just something I'm really watching over the next six
1: months. What about you, Rusty? You know, for me, I think um, obviously Kip touched on that, and I I certainly agree with all that. I think looking at Georgia as a whole and and what I see some areas that um, they've got to answer with this class, and that is speed at wide receiver. Um, you look at what they brought in last year, and and Dominic Blaylock is not a burner. He is an incredible route runner. Um, he's going to be great in a slot, um, you know, more of a Terry Godwood mold and You got to have those guys and just love the upside of Dom. You look at Makaih Tong, who is a uh, a a bigger, more physical hybrid type wide receiver. Again, not a burner, but the guys you got to have. You got to have those physical guys at Georgia. Uh, You got to have those big body wide receivers. And you know George Pickens is who he is. He's a dynamic uh, wide receiver. He was a five star for a reason because he's going to be a problem. Uh, But as far as somebody that can knock the top off of coverage. I don't know. If that's the type of guy there. I think what Georgia lost and Miko Hardman and guys like Riley Ridley, who can you know those guys can run and they showed they can run at the combine. And you look at Georgia now at wide receiving, they got Justin Robinson, a guy um, you know, a guy that I really think is underrated right now industry wide uh, for Georgia at of Elka um, Eagles Landing Christian Academy in McDonough. I think Georgia's got to have speed here. They've got to have some guys that can knock that top off of coverage. Those guys that can get vertical, make you miss in short space. They're recruiting some guys right now that can flat out run. One just happens to be um, one just happens to be out of Illinois, and one just happens to be out of New Orleans. I think Georgia's maybe uh, probably would gauge the interest of Josh Downs, the young man at North Gwinnett who ran a four like a four four seven laser. He was the fastest guy at the Atlanta opening. So you look at AJ Henning, a guy at Illinois. You know he's a what 10, 5, 10, 600 meter guy. You look at Corey Wren out of um, New Orleans area. So he's a I think Kip we we've talked about it before. I think was he a ten three hundred guy something like that. So yep. Georgia is looking and they've got to have speed. They have got to add some speed in one of these position respo- uh, One of these position spots they've gotten bigger. I mean, you had George Pickens and Micaiah Tongue from last class. You add Lawrence Cager, who's a six-five guy, uh, the graduate transfer out of Miami. I think it's very important they replace Miko Hardman and, and, and Riley Ridley, who guys who can run. Uh, at the end of the day, you're gonna have some guys that can just flat out run by people and make people miss. So, I'm not saying what they have is bad. They needed all those pieces, but I think if you look at a, a position other than running by, They've got to add some guys with speed, and I'm gonna be very interested how they do that in this class.
2: You know, up, you know uh, do you think the Demetrius Robertson and Jeremiah Holloman are on this team in two, in 2020? Because you mentioned guys they're having to replace Miko Harman and Riley Ridley. It, it seems like if you're looking at the current roster, yeah, those are the two guys that kind of fit those profiles. Um, do you
1: think one or both of those guys are on the team next year. If Demetrius Robertson, I know a lot of people around him, and I said this last year, and look, nobody would have predicted, and I found out a little later kind of why. I mean, when he, when he left Cal, right or wrong, that dude, he just he kind of checked out. He, did, he didn't work out a ton in the offseason. It took him literally from the all, complete offseason to try to get into SEC football shape. He's in that shape now from everything I've heard from everybody. If Demetrius Robertson has a good year, he's gone. His goal is to get to the NFL, and there's nothing wrong with that. That was his goal the whole time. So you look at that and say, this guy who is a 10-4, 100-meter high school guy, we saw it, we watched him run from a ninth grade on, uh, like 22-foot, 23-foot long jumper. If he does what he does, he's gone. So – uh, I think that Georgia probably looks at that and thinks, this guy could be gone. Jeremiah Holman is not as much that, that burner as he is that length. And I'll never forget that triple jump he did in high school, watching him do that. I mean, those state champion, I believe in that. And when you look at him uh, so much in that Javon Wims mold, uh, you know, George Pickens, all those guys with length, Georgia is getting length. And that is so important. You watch that play he made against Florida, that touchdown, Jeremiah Hahn, which was a great ball from Jake Fromm. The guy had great coverage on him. The reason he didn't catch, didn't knock it down, was because Jeremiah was a little bit longer than him. And you can do all this you want to. And that's why these schools are wanting these 6'1 DBs. They're wanting Tyson Campbells and Eric Stokes and Tyreek Stevenson. You got to have that length against these big body, long wide receivers. So, but you also got to have that guy. And Kip, that's a great point. I mean, Demetrius Roberts, I'm, I'm talking about down the line. You look at the wide receiver class and the wide receiver room moving forward in next year, two years, and three years down the line? they got big dudes, man. they got some long dudes that can catch the ball. They need a couple that's going to be a problem in that short area space. You look at the NFL. Everybody's got one of those guys. Everybody's got that guy on the goal line you can't freaking cover. Everybody's got that guy on third down you can't cover on third and five. Georgia needs to find another piece to go what they've got, in my opinion, in the wide receiver room. And when you're
0: talking about those guys like Javon Williams, like Jeremiah Holloman, it's important to note that you know Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, all of these defensive-minded guys are going with that single-high safety look, and and you know they they know you know they know when they have to move that safety to one side or the other and stay over the top of a guy who can run past a cornerback, and and that opens things up on the other side for. Uh, for your for for your Jeremiah hollomans and Javon Wims, I mean that's that that's the kind of you need that guy to complement that other guy. It's not necessarily we need a fast guy, we need a big guy. You just need somebody to not only do that, but also you know force a team you know in you know second and long or second and eight or nine or whatever, even on first down. Hey, they could go play action here. That opens things up in the passing game. You know, obviously those two the, the positions that you guys brought up are huge. I also look at cornerback, and, and it's not necessarily that Georgia needs none. Numbers. But when you look at some of these elite teams, when you look at Florida, when they went on their run of a couple national titles in a few years there, when you look at Alabama and what Alabama's done, you look at Clemson, year after year, it's not necessarily they're bringing three or four elite cornerbacks or three or four high, you know, high upside cornerbacks every year but they are bringing in at least one you know it was it, for florida for a while there it seemed like clockwork one after the other after the other every single year they would bring in a big time cornerback He would play well and and that's how things would go so Georgia has to do the kind of the same thing. I feel like with with what they've already put at cornerback. I don't know if it's as important as the two positions you guys brought up. Because I'm I'm completely on board with that, and and especially wide receiver as as kind of one that not a lot of people are talking about. But cornerback Kelly Ringo, I think that's a guy that Georgia um, very much needs in this class. They very much needs that type of guy uh, because if they're going to put their cornerbacks out on an island and they're going to, you know, try to load up and stop the run and put teams in second and third and long, you got to be able to get up in somebody's face, knock them off their route, run with everybody. And, and, you know, I think the cornerback may be a little bit of a, a kind of a behind the scenes, you know, low key position that that Georgia really needs to hit on um, for at least one, maybe two guys in this class. Moving on to the team stuff. And, and you know, obviously, Jake, Jake Fromm's kind of a little bit of a polarizing figure. He is a little bit on our board. I think, you know, by and large, I think folks realize what he's done has been really good. And, and he's done a lot of great things for the University of Georgia already. But but a, a question I want to ask you guys his legacy. Georgia doesn't win a national championship in one of the next 2 years or, or they don't win one this coming year and, and Jake Fromm, you know, decides to go to the NFL draft. What's his legacy? Rusty, what what, what is what is Jake Fromm going to be known for if, if Georgia doesn't win a national title?
1: Um I, I can we can talk the rest of the show on that. That's a that's a very good question and a lot of different angles there. I'll say this about Jake Fromm um and when Jacob Easton was committed to georgia for so long he was he was the guy he was the next dude um he was gonna be you know the future of georgia quarterback kirby smart comes to georgia and the first person he goes to work on is jake Fromm. gets him flipped and jake Fromm from day one um i, I you know i gotta ask that question all the time why is that guy going to georgia i mean he, is he crazy he's coming right in after jacob eason and Jake Fromm, I interviewed him so many times. Y'all probably did too. I mean, he was, he didn't care. He's like, I'm coming to Georgia because I want to be a Georgia Bulldog and I want to go compete. And he should be um, a fan favorite for for years and years for what he, the decision he made to come to Georgia um, and and ultimately wind up being the guy. Now, on the flip side of that, a lot of this is going to come down to, and, and it shouldn't, but a lot of this is going to come down to what Jake Fromm does this year as a third-year starter. And there's going to be a lot of people look at it and say, what, what does Jacob Easton do at Washington? What is Justin Fields going to do at Ohio State? Because everybody knows those guys are not at Georgia because of the play, not because of Jake Fromm, because of the play of him keeping that job and earning that job. And there's still some people, right or wrong, uh, they wanted to keep Justin Fields, some, you know, the majority. Uh, there were some guys that really thought Jacob Eason needed to get a shot back to get his job. Kirby Smart and him, obviously, they dug in with Jake Fromm. There's a lot of different angles, but at the end of the day for me, Jake Fromm should be a a, a lifetime Georgia Bulldog favorite uh, for, for coming to Georgia and competing when everybody probably around him told him he shouldn't. He's won a hell of a lot of games already, uh, national championship game, Rose Bowl game, uh, some of the plays. We were just talking about speed. The ball he threw to Miko Hardman in that national championship game, the read he made against Tony Brown, that's what I'm saying you need that speed, but you also got to have that guy to make that throw. And that was the proper read, the proper throw against the best team in the country, uh, Alabama that year. So uh, I just think that Jake Fromm's legacy is going to be really interesting to me. Uh, how it plays out. My opinion, this will probably his last year at Georgia. And uh, you see Jake Fromm on social media, the little things he does. um, You know, I watched a video from him yesterday at camp sunshine and, and the, you know, him being there and what it meant to those kids. And you could tell in Jake, uh, that meant a lot to him uh, to do those types of things. You see that social media, he took, you know, uh, he took like five or six guys fishing this weekend. And, And you look at big Jordan Davis out there in a fishing boat and, um, uh, you know, when you look at all those guys, you think, man, that, that's that's what quarterback does. And he leads, and uh, I think that he should be a fan favorite. But there's going to be a lot to his legacy uh, based on this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. He He basically had – he got sandwiched in between two guys that when you look at their skill set, everyone says these guys have first-round NFL draft tools – he basically sent both those guys to the transfer portal with the way he played. And, and oh, he, them up. he is the, basically he emphasizes what Kirby smart wanted to bring to Georgia though. Kirby says iron, you no know, sharpens iron. He, when you ask him about any position in the field, whether you think you have an established starter or not, he always talks about competition. We're going to have competition at every position. And basically you talk about him, Immediately going to recruit Jake from. Well, now you know why. Because that's ex- he saw in Jake exactly what he wants every player on his 85-man roster to do. You know, he, he can go beyond that. He wants the walk-ons to do that is to come out there and compete every day. And you know, you get these cliches thrown around in there about you know him being a guy who's a film junkie, but it's just true. The yes. guy learned the playbook as soon as he got on campus. He dove right in before he got on campus. They whatever they gave him. He just, you know, he took that, he became a sponge, absorbed that, and, and that's why he was able to do what he was, you know, what he did as a freshman. I mean, you talk about the last 30, 35 years of Georgia football and the quarterback play, no one else has taken them to a national championship. You know, he's taken in the two SEC championships. Yeah. You mentioned that throw to Miko. Me, I mean, I'll, I'll, that throw for a touchdown against Alabama in, in this past SEC championship game to Riley Ridley, uh, was an incredible throw. It was definitely an NFL throw in my eyes, and, and you already look at what he's done in, in two years. He's in that, he's in George's Mount Rushmore quarterback play already. I mean, you have Aaron Murray, you know, you, you have David Green up there, you know, Buck gets his own spot just automatically. I mean, he's got to be that next guy. I mean, uh, you know, he, no offense to Matthew Stafford, no offense to I mean, even DJ Shockley, the incredible what he did, just waiting, standing there, watching David Green do what he did, and then when he got his chance, he took it and ran with it. But, I mean, when you're looking at the top four quarterbacks who have ever, you know, suit up for Georgia, I think regardless of of how this season goes, I mean, obviously the expectations are that Georgia once again is competing to get in that playoff. I mean, if he has the same – just if he doesn't even improve this year, if he has the same year he had last year, yeah. I mean, he's a top three quarterback to ever suit up for Georgia just as far as, like, talent, skill, and what he did on the field, the completion percentage, uh, you know, the, the touchdown-interception ratio. He gets thrown on that game manager label on him all the time. I think, you know, what he does is manage Georgia to wins. What he does is is make the plays that, that are needed – But he he makes the big-time plays without losing the football, without causing his offensive coordinator to throw that hat on the ground. You know, we saw Spur, he would do that multiple times in the game. He would rotate his quarterbacks because he would get too mad at him. Fromm's never really had that happen to him at Georgia in his first two years. And really, when you think about most of these guys are, you know, like Aaron Murray, these guys that are redshirted, David Green, like his first two seasons being in college – he's playing at a level that a Georgia quarterback has not played at before as a freshman and sophomore. We have not had that quality of play from a quarterback before Jake came on. So yeah, his legacy is obviously going to be what happens this season. Does he get them back to the big game? But I think already he's established himself. Like I said, he's in that Mount Rushmore Georgia quarterbacks and, and, Fans are really going to miss him when he's gone. I mean, with, Kirby is recruiting at an incredible level, but the quarterback position is just so difficult. You not, you don't know what you're going to have until, you know, they get on the field and, and, and he's had a couple, you know, six, seven games under his belt before you realize what you had at quarterback. And I think Kirby realized really quickly he had something special in Jake Fromm.
1: You know, real quick, I'll touch on something, Jake. Um I'll never forget being at the Army All-American game that year. So we had Tua and Jake on the same team, which is so ironic. Uh, but he wanted Tua wanted to play with the Alabama kids on the East, and um, so put those two guys together. I remember being in the players' lounge maybe the second day, and just sitting around. And I was at one table, and kind of some kids were sitting right behind me. And I never forget this about Jake Fromm. The two kids were talking, and I can't remember who it was. I just remember the conversation. And they were talking about the offense and picking it up. And the other kid looked at one and said, I'll tell you what, if you want to know what's going on, ask that quarterback from Georgia. He'll tell you exactly what's going on. And we're on day two. That's how quick he absorbed things. And he had everybody lining them up that week. This is where you go. This is where you go. I mean, this guy picked it up so quick. Uh, that kind of led me to believe that, hey, everything you hear about the football IQ is real.
0: It is absolutely real, and you know, it, it nothing illustrated it more to me than when Kirby Smart said this spring that there are times, you know, when when Jake almost gets a little bit bored, and having J- James Coley around um, and, and throwing some new stuff in there this year has been good for him. And and you know, that's that's kind of where he comes from, and from an IQ standpoint, from knowing what's going on, and and you know, all of his teammates. Uh, you know, unprovoked uh, talk about how that's the first thing they bring up when they talk about, uh, you know, Georgia's starting quarterback. You know, I, I look at it, you know, obviously the same, you know, say I can definitely see it the same way. You guys, I look at it a little bit differently. Um, you know, obviously he's always going to have his detractors. He's always, there's always going to be the people that felt like Jacob Beeson had more upside and that Justin Fields had more upside and that those guys could have been, you know, had had been, could have been a little bit more of a, a quarterback driven offense leader you know they could you know george's offense isn't necessarily quarterback driven from a number standpoint they don't ask jake Fromm to do the same things that that auburn asked cam newton to do that you know that the uh, that uh Al- i'm sorry uh uh clemson asked deshaun watson to do not just from a running standpoint but just from shouldering the entire load of the offense george doesn't have to do that they've got elite running backs They 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 run the football that's where it all starts and that's the way kirby smart wants it I'll always look back at the Florida game this past year when, you know, Jake Fromm coming off the biggest stinker of his career, and those are going to happen for quarterbacks. They just get magnified when they happen, but coming off the biggest uh, stinker of his entire career, uh, he, he comes back in the Florida game. Justin Fields doesn't play a snap in that game and has arguably one of the better performances he's, he's ever had. And I know Florida lost CJ Henderson in that game, but the two throws to Jeremiah Holloman, the one to Terry Godwin, I want to say, from uh ended up going something like seven for eight on third down conversions or seven for eight on third down and six for eight on conversions, and, and, and seven of them with third and longs. It was something crazy. You know, I, I definitely agree with Kippy. You know, you, you've got a guy that I think is right there among the top two or three quarterbacks. And at the very least, if he doesn't have a better season this year, he regresses a little bit this season. He won an SEC title for Georgia in an era where they've got three you know, in an era where the, the title game era, uh, he, he won. He, he went and played extremely well in that game and helped Georgia win a, in an SEC title in, in an era where, where they haven't won very many SEC titles. They've been, they've been close, they've played well, they've played good halves but but he was the guy that they helped them get over that hump and and he did it as a freshman and I do expect him to get a lot better I do like the things that you're hearing out of Georgia from from Georgia's standpoint obviously that that he he's he's getting more input he's getting a chance to say I like this I don't like that I think that's really key and I also think that tells you a lot about how they feel about Jake Fromm and what he can do that they're asking him those questions they're not telling they're 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 making it a more cooperative effort and and uh, you know I I do expect this season to be better, but there's no question that that he goes down as as at the very worst. I don't see how anybody that 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 doesn't like Jake Fromm and and doesn't you know is not a fan of what he's been able to do. And I you know listen, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I don't see how anybody that even feels that way about it could leave him out of the top five. In, in, in you know school history uh, based on what he's accomplished and and so I think that's definitely going to be his legacy that he's already locked up a spot as one of the better quarterbacks in school history going to shift back to recruiting here real quick and uh, you know we're, we, we don't have a ton of time left but we've got uh, plenty to get through these next two topics and uh, the next one um, like I said recruiting out of Georgia's current commitments Who's the most underrated in your eyes? And and I think Rusty, you kind of hit on one a little while ago. in and the the wide receiver, the the Justin Robinson kid out of Eagles Landing. But but who is the most underrated in your eyes? And and uh, Kip, you kick us off.
2: Well, I gotta go with defensive lineman Jalen Carter out of Popka High School uh, in Apopka, 4. I'm just going to assume we're gonna we're gonna roll with how the industry sees these guys and using the the industry generated twenty four seven composite ratings. Jalen Carter is now number 74 in the country, number seven defensive tackle, number nine prospect in Florida. Uh, I think this guy has definite five-star potential. I, I think that when you're looking at the defensive tackle position, you know, definitely a major premium position. It's really hard to find guys who can, you know, disrupt backfields, but also take on blockers. Usually you're only getting one or the other out of these guys. And Jalen, I mean, he brings it. He brings both attributes to the table, and I think he he could be top two defensive tackle in the country. I think he is. I think after uh, Brian Bricey, the outstanding uh, defensive lineman committed to Clemson, I think that that Carter is right there for me as far as upside. A guy that's six four, three hundred one pounds, just scratching the surfaces potentially because last year. For the most part, he lined up as an H-back. He was playing tight end last year uh, for for a large part of the season. So defensive line is still new to him. But when you look at his combination of just strength and athleticism, uh, it's rare. I mean, he can be the best run stopper in this class, and he has enough in that pass rush toolbox to be an excellent pass rusher in college as well. I mean, when I look at him, I think, This guy has the Ron Payne level potential at the next level just because of all, you know, the size, the strength, the skill. And and just seeing him in that spring game, I mean, that was it for me. The clips that we had on 24-7 Sports of Jalen just, you know, taking those linemen and basically just chunking them into the backfield right off his first step and and just blowing them up. That sold me right there. I think that Georgia got a guy that – Hadn't been talked about a lot in this cycle to date just because Jalen's a little quiet and just wasn't out there on the scene as much. But I think when all is said and done, they have a potential five-star top 20 guy and a guy that could push closer to the top 10 when all is said and done. And a guy that is a huge win from the state of Florida in a class where Georgia's just recruiting, you know, outside the state. The recruiting has been insane. It's been insane for me and Rusty to try to cover outside of our region so far this cycle. Uh, but I, I think this is going to go down as one of the, if not the biggest recruiting wins uh, for, for Trey Scott, for, for Scott Fountain, the area recruiter there, and, and just for G- Georgia in general, getting him beating out you know, making sure that none of the the in-state schools were able to get in on there and as well as you know, Alabama uh, Auburn, Clemson, and, and all the other programs. Uh, I, I love Jalen Carter and what he brings to the table.
0: Rusty, you can't say the punter here. By the way, you can't. You can't just start talking about punters.
1: <laughs> what a great, glorious day that was. <laughs> Kip called me the night before and said, "Hey, I got I got your Christmas gift early." I said, "What is it?" And he goes, "We're getting a kicker commit tomorrow." I was like, "Don't tease me, man." Don't tease me. And
0: that's right. The kid's a kicker. But I don't know why I said punter, but yeah, yep. that was that was a great that was a great
1: troll post that morning for sure. Oh, man, the copy was so much better that morning. That was all I was posting, <laughs> and everybody just flew off the deep end. Um, God, that was a great morning. I've been waiting a couple years on that one. And if you don't know the story on that, I, I unfortunately at one point misread our community a little bit. Kind of told them there was going to be some momentum. <laughs> oh, hey. I broke an all-American commitment, and let me tell you something. That board—if they could have got a hold of me that night there would have been nothing left of me but like an old broken toenail. Because they were so hot at me. Um, it, it, You'd have looked like you would have looked like Foghorn Leghorn. There'd have been so many feathers on you, dude. July is just around the corner. They were ready to just, just, just tar and feather me. But uh, no, i not the kicker. Definitely, you know. I, I think when you look at him. The, the alabama mold um because i know the stories there about adam Griffith and all those guys i mean they basically have a kickoff and and you know when he came over and won the competition a couple weeks ago i had another friend that was um i had another friend that was um there at, at that kicking camp and and um you know that that person told me that hey there's a kid here from texas that um is the real deal and i didn't know who that i didn't know who the kicker was but uh, you know, the people I had there that kicking camp that day definitely reiterated the kid from Texas is the real deal. And he wound up uh, getting the scholarship, which was which was he earned that. So I'll go with uh, another guy, though, that I touched on him earlier is, is Justin Robinson um, out of Eagles Landing Christian. And, you know, when you see him in person, um, it's such a such a six four, man. He, and, and, you know, I use this word a little bit, but he's a dude um, and, and he plays safety. Uh, I know that Notre Dame wanted him in safety, um, and I know that um, you know some other schools had him high on their list as well. But the biggest thing in the last couple of weeks, you know, he's had a hamstring. He kind of dealt with. I watched him at a seven-on-seven in March, uh, tried to play some with Cam Newton's team, and his hammy just it was was tight. They kind of went through spring ball, and uh, he was okay. And toward the last, I think, two days, injured again. Uh, still played great against Stop Bridge. See some of those clips from that game and a very good team. um I think um you look at him and look—he's a four-six flat guy, which is fine. I mean, people freak out sometimes when you're that size. We talked about the length earlier. He's a four-six flat guy, uh and that's fine. That's what he is. And Hans Ward, a four-six flat, four-six-five guy—you make the best with your ability of what you got, but. I think that Justin is underrated right now, and and more more so, even more so after talking to coaches because they were there back to back weeks at the seven on seven in Georgia that we're unable to attend anymore. How that that, that that crushes me. But the seven on seven, I talked to multiple teams and they're like, "Hey, that kid at Eagles Landing is the real deal." We couldn't do anything with him. I talked to um, a 7A quote unquote powerhouse and they were like, "Man, we played Elka." And that kid caught everything, and we tried to double him. We couldn't double him. So, more importantly, he's healthy. I think he's going to have a great summer. I think he's going to have a great season. Elko's, what, four-time defending state champs. they're going to run through that probably again. Uh, But I think the industry is going to see Justin Robinson probably a little bit under what he is. But I think Georgia fans should be excited because he is long. He's a very good football player, could care less about recruiting. Um, he is all about playing football, being a good teammate, uh, comes from a great academic school. So I think he checks all the boxes for me. And I think that, um, I think he's definitely a little bit underrated right now.
0: I want to jump back to the defensive line where I, I like Warren Brinson a lot and, and it's not necessarily the film. It's not necessarily, you know, I, I like that. I, I love what he brings to the table in terms of a frame and, and a raw you know, I, I guess uh, a, a, just a raw canvas to work with. Um, you know, he, he's big, he's long. Um, he, he's he's only you know he's he's not even quite a three hundred pounds, but he's going to be that. He's going to have that potential. You know, I, I had someone tell me after seeing him in person um here recently tell me that, that they kind of got a little bit of a Marcus Stroud type vibe in terms of his his physical makeup. Now, you know, that's that that's a top ten NFL draft pick, so I'm obviously not gonna compare him to that guy and say that's what he can be. And but but you know I actually saw Marcus Stroud in high school. He came to Axe County High School and and uh, you know basically painted the field with with you know the red helmets of, of our offensive linemen that year um, but, but I, I, like his physical makeup and there's another reason, and you guys know this just as well as I do. Um, you know, a lot of times when, when coaches have recruited a kid and they've got him committed and they're working on him and they're trying to keep him in the fold and they like him a lot and he decommits, you know, a lot of times they'll just move on They, You know, no, it was well, not necessarily that they're just, you know, uh, you know, I don't like him or, or his talent level, but it's just one of those things where it puts a sour taste in their mouth and, and, you know, it's these guys are human too and and they it's not necessarily an ego thing but it's like well you know if he's not special if he's not a great player if he's not a guy that they really really like they'll go find somebody they like almost as much and and, and they'll they'll take their stab in that direction and and not have to worry with the riffraff anymore well, when Warren Brinson decommitted from Georgia, they stayed on him and they got him recommitted. Right. Um, you know, you saw Georgia do the same thing with Adam Anderson. I think that speaks volumes about what they think about him as well. And I'm I'm going to kind of go that direction with it just because I think you know he's in one of the lower rated commitments in Georgia's class. Still a four star, only 332nd nationally, 29th defensive tackle. But but I do like his upside and and how good of a player he can be. All right, let's move on real quick to to our last thing. It's going to be a team topic, continuing that with that underrated theme. What position group at Georgia right now? You know, and we gosh we hear so much about the offensive line, and it's deserved. Sam Pittman's a monster on the recruiting trail. Uh, you know george is really good at a lot of positions but which position going into this season do you feel like is is going to maybe be a really really good position group but but it's not necessarily getting uh the puppet deserves and i'll lead off here i'm going with inside linebacker and i'm going that direction because i love the mix of of talent of experience i think finally Georgia has the amount of inside linebackers that Kirby Smart wants to be able to use in certain situations. When you looked at what they used to do at Alabama, you know they had your C.J. Mosley's and your Dante Hightowers, but those guys would slide around, uh, you know, based on the sub package and do different things. I think they can do the same thing now with with Tay Crowder, with with Monty Rice, with with Quay Walker and Channing Tindall and N'Kobe Dean. Uh, You know, I I like how they have so many different guys, so many different athletic skill sets. Um, I I think Tay Crowder, you know, is trending up. You know, I don't necessarily know he's going to be a superstar and get drafted or anything like that, but he's extremely athletic. He's one of the longest players on the team. He's really good in coverage. I think he's going to be a very good player this year. I think the fact that he was one of – you know, three or four guys that just basically got yanked in the second half of the G Day game shows that they're trying to, you know, they've got plans for him. Monty Rice had a great season last year when he was healthy and, 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 you know, the defense was definitely better. We all know Quay, you know, uh, Channing Tindall and, and how, you know, talented he is. Quay Walker, you know, can do some edge rushing stuff, can play in space. And then the Kobe Dean, you know, the sky's the limit for him i know that that he's not the tallest of the biggest guy in the world but but he is a sideline to sideline force and the kind of guy that if you can keep blockers off of him he's going to make a ton of tackles and and just rack up numbers but but that's the position i'm looking at um as the most underrated and and you know rusty what, what are your thoughts on that what position do you think kind of is, is maybe flying under the radar a little bit
1: i'm gonna say two spots and and i'm gonna just touch real quick on them um and I'm and I'm being serious with this, uh, you know, because it's so important and that special teams. Um uh, Rodrigo Blankenship is 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 as good as kicker in the country and as clutch as it is in the country, uh, and he's proven that over the last couple of years. I'm I'm gonna go with Jake Cremada's gonna have a big, big turnaround year. I'm telling you. I don't, I don't know enough about punters and kickers, but I have never been around somebody that can boom it like this. And, and for whatever reason, couldn't really put it together in games right now. I think he's going to have a big turnaround. I just I just have that feeling because he's such a special talent, great kid, working hard this summer right here. I think special teams, now they got to get a kick returner, obviously with Miko and Terry gone. We'll see what they do there uh, with some guys. But I think special teams is not getting enough, and it's such a big deal uh in games w- but i think jake carmata and, and and rodrigo are going to be big for georgia uh re- people don't really talk about it. it's not the sexy positions don't talk a ton about the kickers but let me tell you something let one of those guys miss it and they'll be front page headlines or let one of them make it the rodrigo deal uh notre dame and those type of kicks against alabama in championship that's what that's what wins games and keeps you in games uh with the kickers but um you know i also think uh the interior guys. You talk about the offensive line and everybody talks about those tackles. Let me tell you something. Trey Hill at center is is it was was basically the word it was given to me is a dancing bear, and that's a great thing when you're an offensive lineman and as big as he is. But you look at how nasty the inside guys are, Solomon Kenley, Jamari Sawyer, and and Ben Cleveland and those types of guys, you go against those dudes for four quarters and had those guys double-teaming you, uh, you make a business decision. You know, how bad do you want to be in there? And I know everybody talks about the Georgia offensive line. They always start with those two tackles because they're freak shows and they're NFL top picks. But uh, those inside guys, Cade May is another one. They're going to have some physical, athletic, flat-out, nasty big guys inside. And I think two positions are the inside interior offensive linemen And the special team is going to be a real strength uh, for this Georgia football team.
2: Rusty stole my thunder with those specialist picks, man. I think Jake and Rodrigo are going to be lights out this season. That was my pick. So, I'm going to call an audible at the line here and actually go to the line. Jake, you mentioned, you know, the arrows pointed up on on Tate Crowder inside inside backer. I think the arrows pointed up at a couple guys on Georgia's defensive line. You look at, you know, really – all three positions. They have a guy whose stock is up. Malik Herring coming into his junior season, the light really started to come on for him last year. I, I was really impressed by what he was doing, both you know, setting the edge and getting you know, being a little bit disruptive off you know, off the edge as well. And if you have a healthy David Marshall to yeah. that to that duo, if he comes back healthy and, and can play the way he had before, I mean, that's an outstanding duo right there. And you're really you have a, a a solid duo at all three positions. I mean, Michael Barnett is the guy who's coming on. I mean, I think he's ready to be a presence now, you know, in his final year. And, and really, what he's really doing is helping push Jordan Davis in year two. I mean, Jordan Davis is the guy that we look at and say, this guy could really take over ball games if if he can play enough snaps, if he can have his weight in check and stay on the field long enough he could be a guy that really gives opposing offensive lines trouble. I mean, just his power at the at the point of attack is, you know, pretty unparalleled as far as what George has been able to put on the table the field the, the last couple of years. They haven't had a guy like that who could just take on multiple guys and really free up those backers that, that Jake talks about coming on. So you look at that and then you go to defensive tackle. Uh, arrow pointing up for Devontae Wyatt. I really liked what I saw from him as well. And, and we need, you know, Georgia needs that 2017 version of Tyler Clark to come back as well. I mean, that's you have that deal, duo with Tyler Clark and Devontae Wyatt, a defensive tackle. This defensive line is going to be really giving people problems. And Kirby talks about havoc plays. You're, you know, you're really hoping to get a lot off your edge, guys, an outside backer. The defensive line is, is asked to do a lot of different things most of the time. But when you can get a push from that front three and you can have guys in the backfield, it makes it a lot easier for the rest of the defense, the entire front seven. And they ask a lot of these guys. And I think that with this group, they're finally ready to, you know, to, to put a lot on their plate and, and take some off the plate of the other guys. And I'm not even mentioning rising senior Julian Rochester. He could really be kind of that third guy. In all three positions, he started out at nose, but really you look at him, he played better at defensive tackle, defensive end last year, really than he did as a nose. He kind of found that niche, even though he's kind of a bigger guy. So I think you look at those six, seven guys right there, if they're healthy and they're, they're playing the way that we think they can. Uh, I think Georgia's going to have one of the better defensive line units in the country and really give. Trey Scott a feather in his cap when it comes uh, time to really recruit uh, at his position over the next cycle. I know that's a real big position this class and last class, and I think this group is going to make him look really good by the end of the 2019 season. I like that one a lot because...
0: I think that the key for this defensive line, when you looked at the 2017 defensive line, you had that anchor in the middle and John Atkins. Um, You know, I felt like Jonathan Ledbetter was a little lighter, a little bit more explosive, more in that Malik Herring role. But you also had the one-two punch at that three technique position with Clark and Trent Thompson. They've got that back now. And, and, you know, I think that's, it's enormous, you know, Kip, I mean, Rusty, you talked about a minute ago about those, all those double teams and all those business decisions you make, that three technique, and they're not always in a three technique, they're in a two, they're in a four, eye, they're even in a four technique at times, but you, you're eating a lot of guard tackle double teams, or at least double teams at the point, and then you've got a combo block moving to the second level. That'll wear you down, and I didn't think early last year Tyler Clark had as much help from Devontae White as he got later. I think he kind of wore down as the season went on, but when it was Clark and when it was Trent Thompson, and Trent Thompson was – especially when Trent Thompson was playing at a higher level at the end of the season – um that they didn't lose anything with another guy went in. And and that is the position uh you look at the NFL, you can look in just about any defense. That three technique position is the biggest playmaking position on your defensive line. Um, you know, there are some guys that do it from other spots, but but a higher percentage of the time it's it's that defensive tackle guy, the guy that gets the chance to line up on or outside of the guard but inside the tackle who, who gets a chance to make the most plays. Um, and and that, that Georgia has a dynamic duo there. They have depth in Julian Rochester. And just like I said, with the outside li- inside linebackers, and just like Georgia can with the outside linebackers, mix and match, role play,
1: do different things for different teams
0: and really get creative.
1: Jake, let me uh, end us or touch real quick on the end of this conversation on this particular subject. So we're – we're we're recording this. This is June nineteenth. I'm gonna give you both a name. Just we'll put this in here on June nineteenth and we'll revisit this. I'm gonna give you a guy that nobody's talking about. I've had two different sources tell me the light clicked for him. He's healthy this spring. Justin Young, senior out of Grayson High School. If they can get wow. if they can get Jawan Taylor type minutes out of him like Jawan did in his his fifth year, senior year, I think from what I'm hearing, if he stays healthy, he's going to give them a little bit more minutes than maybe anybody else is thinking. Just just tuck that one away for a little while, but I heard Justin Young at times had a really, really good spring.
0: That's a pass rush presence, too. That's a kid that had 23 sacks in his senior year of high school, and every opportunity he's gotten to this point in his Georgia career, he's... Get beating this guy and getting after the quarterback. It was always a point of attack issue, and he wasn't very big. and And you know, fifth year, there's nothing that replaces a sense of urgency that comes with this is it this sure. this is all I got left. I um, mean, you know, whether it's the final few seconds in one game, you know, it's or the last inning of a baseball game or the senior year, you know, you there there's a sense of urgency uh, that that kind of comes with with all of that. Folks, this is kind of an uh, this we wanted to do it this way. We wanted to do a topic-based thing to discuss some things to kind of one put our you know put our knowledge and our and our ability to kind of express our opinion out there but two to kind of just give you a little bit of a taste of how we cover this team of how what kind of understanding we have of this team i do recruiting stuff these guys do team stuff we all kind of have an idea of what's going on maybe it's not our particular field and sometimes we do have to stay in our own lane but this is what we've got this is what our podcast is going to be not necessarily the same format we're going to have some interviews we're going to have some analysis you know, we're going to go shorter than this at times. We may go longer than this at times, but this is what we bring to the table as a podcast. And and this is our vision for what we want to do. And and so this is our uh th- this is uh the the junkyard dog cast and 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 we're we're ready to get it going. We're ready to go with it. Guys, you got anything else to kind of leave leave the folks out there with before we cut it off?
1: I'm on vacation next week. Same. <laughs>
0: put that
2: one in your back pocket guys <laughs> put that one in your back pocket i'm gonna go hit a lot of little white balls
1: i'm going to do some definite bicep um work next week a lot of a lot of curls so i'm gonna try to come back a little those bit those 16 ounces will get you though do the 12s a lot a lot stronger 12s. i come back a lot stronger the week of the fourth <laughs> well guys that's all we've
2: got
0: for today i'm jake rowe With me has been Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams. We're excited. This is the Junkyard Dogcast, and we will catch up with you guys next week.